We are in the last week of talking about Samson. I've shared with you before that I start thinking about these series about two to three months before we ever talk about them. I start studying and researching and thinking about the direction that I want to go to. And so what normally happens is by the first week of the series, I'm over it. I'm done. Like, I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't even want to preach on it because I've thought about it the last three months. But I got to be honest with you, I have loved this series. I decided that this series was for nobody else. It was for me. Because, man, Samson was a dude with so much potential who just thrived at screwing it up. He, He just thrived at messing it up over and over and over again. And and what kind of makes me feel a little bit good about Samson is he didn't even keep messing up in different ways. He just kept messing up in the same ways. Sometimes we like to say God is a God of second chances when the reality is God is a God of infinity chances. We hold people to certain standards and God says, man, you screwed up. You're still breathing. Let's get up and get back to living that purpose I created for you. We said the first week that Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. We talked about how all of us have things in our life that if we are not careful, we have hurts and we have habits and we have hangups, that if we're not keeping ourselves where we need to be, we can fall prey to those things. We talked about In the second week, that one of Samson's biggest problems was he was emotion-driven and not spirit-driven. You would see that Samson would get into certain situations and his anger would take over instead of the spirit. You would see Samson get in certain situations and his pride would take over instead of the spirit. And we talked about how when his emotions took over and the anger took over, they led to him doing things that led to him putting himself in even worse situations. Because that's what sin does. It's just a step over and over and over. It mounts up, up, and up, till eventually it consumes your life. We talked last week that um, men don't ruin their lives all at one time. They ruin their lives one step at a time. We talked about how Samson, between week two In week three, after week two, he repented, and the Bible says for 20 years, he led the nation of Israel. For 20 years, he defended them against the Philistines. For 20 years, Samson no longer had the dreaded word potential attached to him, and he had that beautiful word purpose attached to him. And then the Bible says after 20 years, one day, One day he set off to a land that he should have never went to. He shacked up with a prostitute. He met a lady named Delilah. We talked about how the Bible doesn't really describe Delilah because the reality is that each and every one of us have a Delilah in our lives. You might smoke your Delilah. You might drink your Delilah. You might screw your Delilah. Your Delilah might be your temper. It might be your anger. It might be your depression. We all have a Delilah that if we are not careful in our lives will destroy us. And finally, Samson's indiscretions, if you will, 
Samson's sin, if you will, caught up to him. Delilah came to him four times. She was being bribed by the Philistines. So Samson is now in the capital of the Philistines. He had grown so arrogant, so cocky after 20 years. He's in the midst. He's in the lion's den. And they come to him. They said, find out the secret to his strength. And for three times, he played games with her. On the last time, the Bible says she nagged and she nagged and she nagged till he gave in. The Philistines came upon him. For the first time ever, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord and the strength of the Lord had left Samson. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over the course of his life of Samson doing what he wanted to do. And now Samson is a prisoner to the Philistines, to the man that he had had victory over for his entire life, to the man that feared the name Samson, he is now a prisoner. And the Bible says they gouged out his eyes. The commentaries I read said they would have actually taken a stick that was on fire and stuck them in his eye canals. After they pulled the fire out, they would have taken a rough knife and cut out the remains of his eyes. This is where Samson is now. He's a prisoner. His eyes are gouged out. The Bible says that they put him in shackles and they put him on a grinding mill. So I need you to picture it's a big wheel. He's shackled to it and day after day he's spinning that wheel like we would do with an animal and he's grinding wheat. He's pushing it every day in front of the people and everybody now, the people that he used to have victory over, the people who used to fear him, they're mocking him. They're throwing stuff at him. They're calling him names. They're making fun of him. And it doesn't get any lower than this point in Samson's life. And the reality is, is when we go on our own way, even if it's one step at a time, eventually, if we do not get a grip on our Delilah, we will end at the lowest point of our life. And that's where we left the story last week. I got to be honest with you, it was a little bit depressing. His condition right now leaves us in a situation where I ask you and we ask ourselves, and I've been there and you've been there and I'm 47 and the reality is I'll probably be there again, is what do you do when you freaking have blown it? What do you do when the spirit and the strength of the Lord has left you Because time after time after time, you went on your own way. You put your desires over the desires of God. Instead of getting victory, you became a victim to your Delilah. Now what? Is it over? What do you do when you realize you've wasted the years that God gave you? What do you do when you realize you have wasted the gifts that God has given you? The amazing thing about this thing called life, baby, is you get one shot at it. There are no do-overs. There are no coming back. And what do you do when you look at your life and you're 47 years old, you're 60 years old, you're 55 years old, you're 70 years old, hell, you're 30 years old, and you look back and you realize, man, I have wasted this portion of my life because I keep screwing up. What do you do? The question that everybody in this room 
has either faced in the past or will face in the future or both. There's nobody in this room perfect. We used to say, action church, no perfect people allowed. I remember posting that on Facebook one time and people getting all mad because, you know, it doesn't matter what we post, people get mad. And people are like, I guess Jesus isn't allowed in that church if no person. Shut up. God. What do you do when you screw up? Because the problem is especially, now I'm swiping with broad strokes here, but especially for us men, we take failure very, very personally. The reason why, and I'm not saying women don't, but overall, men and women, they value different things. Amen? For example, women typically receive their value from their relationships. True women, your friendships, your relationships, talk to me. Don't leave me out here. Everything is about, do you like me? Are we friends? Can we hug? Can we cry? Oh my gosh, you took 72 seconds to text me back. Are we okay? You know. Just, just, are we good? I haven't heard from you in a week. I sent you a message on Facebook and you didn't respond. I mean, women, man, it's just all about relationships. Everything is relational. I mean, even for like, like going to the bathroom is relational for women. Like you're out with a group of women, like women don't go to the bathroom by themselves. One woman's got to go to the bathroom. Would you like to go to the bathroom? Sure. Anybody else want to go to the bathroom? Like, like, hey, all the girls, let's go to the bathroom. Four hours later, they all come out of the bathroom together. No man knows what happens in that bathroom. We've heard stories. There's myths out there. There's legends out there about it. But no one really knows except women and their friends that they're in relationships with. Men are not like that. Men are not like that. We don't necessarily get value from our relationships. This was a big adjustment for my wife when we first got. She said, you have no friends. I said, I have friends. I just don't have friends that I need to talk to 7,500 times a day. I'm not saying she's wrong for needing that. I just don't need that. Men don't necessarily gain value from relationships. Men gain value from their accomplishments. Did we do good? Do we measure up? We're men. <laughs> what can we conquer? That's why men so many times are different ladies. I'm not saying this is right, but they're different in the dating phase. Because they're conquering. I don't mean that in a, in a dogmatic way, but you're attached. They want to win you over. They want to marry you. And then once they get there, oh, I've won what's next. Normally, it's the business world now. They want to conquer that. That's how we're wired. Can we conquer this? We, we like to be liked, but we're not all about relationships. No man has ever looked at me and said, hey, let's go to the bathroom together. Never. Matter of fact, ladies, let me tell you how the bathroom works for men. If I walk into the bathroom and someone is there I know, you're allowed to say one thing. What's up? Then you face the wall. It doesn't matter if your best friend in the world is next to you. You do not make eye contact. You do not talk. You do not ask how it's going. 
You then turn around, you wash your hands, you walk out, and when you walk out of the bathroom, hey, man, what's up? What's been going on with you? We catch up. That's how it works for men in the bathroom. We're about accomplishments. Men aren't so much, do you like me? Men are, do you respect me? We're accomplishment-driven. So when we fail in life, when we find ourselves where Samson is now, and we realize that our actions are keeping us from living our purpose, that's about as low as it gets for us. When men do something and they're not able to protect their family, it does something to us. When we're not able to provide for our family, it does something to us. It's failure to us, and it puts us in a bad place. For most men, our greatest fear is not failure, it's not measuring up. We want to be successful. We want to do what we feel we were put on this earth to do. And when we don't, our regret becomes, I wish I could have. I should have. Why didn't I? And so many times the reason we could have, should have, and didn't is because we're allowing Delilah to distract us. We're allowing that hurt to distract us. We're allowing that hang-up to distract us. We're allowing that habit to distract us. We're allowing that thing that is destroying our life, whether it be uh, female, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be our temper, whether it be our pride, whether it be our ego, whatever it is, it is now consuming us and it's getting off the path that God had for us. And the question becomes, when you hit rock bottom, now what? Not how do you avoid rock bottom, because here's the reality. I've talked about it the last few weeks. It doesn't matter how much I talk about it. In some way, shape, or form, men, women, you're going to hit rock bottom. That's called life. Someone literally said the other day to me, I hadn't seen them in forever, like, man, I'm glad to see what you've done with your life. I said, thank you. Man, at least you, you, you got it all out of you young. I said, I'm 47 years old. I probably got another at least 30 years on this earth. You don't think I'm going to screw up again? I have just begun to screw up. I don't want to lose it all again. I don't think I'm going to lose my family again, but I don't, I don't want to lose what I've built again. But I do know this, I'm in business for myself, and I'm one bad decision away from losing it all again. It's called business. What would you do? Start over. It's Okay. Got these new offices, and uh, I was most excited about the offices. They had a shower in the bathroom. I told Christian, I said, man, worst case scenario, man, we'll just move everybody into the offices. The offices are cheap. Start over. What do you do when you screw up? What do you do when you have that life of regret? What do you do when you have to look at that woman who stood by you and supported you and loves you? And she sees what you've been looking at on your computer screen. And you see that you broke her heart. And you can't have the relationship 
that you should have with her because you have this weird fantasy about what a relationship is because, man, your number one search engine is Pornhub. Well, what do you do when you hit that bottom and you realize that you're in a career that just feels beneath you? You're living paycheck to paycheck, and you look around, and sometimes you see some of your friends are doing better than you, and just the human nature of that is to feel like, man, I haven't accomplished what I should do, and I should be further along in life. And for you, mentally right now, you're at rock bottom. What do you do? Been there. What do you do when you wake up one day and you look at your marriage and you just realize, man, my marriage sucks. You don't like your marriage. You don't like your wife. You know she don't like you. You've spent your whole life building your lives around your children and now your children are gone. And you've hit rock bottom. Maybe it's not even an outward failure. Maybe it's an inward failure. Maybe it's a promise you made to yourself to do a certain thing and you haven't achieved those goals or a certain promise. You feel like you made to God a covenant you made to God and, um, man, you set out to do something and you haven't done it. This is where Samson was. All the potential in the world. Probably more potential than any man ever created. Samson. Now his eyes are gouged out. He's shackled to a spinning wheel. Every day he gets up and they shackle him to it. And the people that he was led to deliver his people from are now mocking him, spitting on him, making fun of him. And that's his life. Day after day after day. But I left you with a verse last week. It said they shaved Samson's head because remember his hair, his power came from his hair. I left you with a verse and that's how we ended on a high note. And it said... But his hair began to grow back. What the enemy had taken, God began to restore. That's good preaching if a white boy is getting to do it. I said what the enemy had taken, God began to restore. Samson has no eyes anymore. He is now being mocked every day. He is being made fun of every day. Instead of leading his people away from the Philistines, he is now entertainment for the Philistines, but his hair began to grow back. God began the process of restoring him. God is in the process of renewing him. God is in the process of redeeming him. God is in the process of reviving him. God is, I'm out of ours, I don't know anymore, but God's in the process of doing something amazing in his life because as bad, and make no mistake about it, it sucks, as bad as rock bottom sucks. There's nowhere to go but up. I learned more at rock bottom the many times I've been at rock bottom. Everybody thinks you've just been at rock bottom once because that's the one you all heard about. I've been at rock bottom many times. See, everybody comes to me and says, man, I I remember when. They remember when. That, That wasn't rock bottom. I'll tell you what rock bottom was. Rock bottom 
was going out to my car and digging under the seats and digging between the seats to find $5 in change the first time my ex-wife was going to allow me to see my kids where I could go to Little Caesars and buy a pizza for them. That was rock bottom. You think the community knowing what I did was rock bottom? I could give two shits about that. And if that offends you, we're probably not the church for you. It gets a whole lot worse. The problem with so many of the religious people is they're more worried about the fact that I said that word than the, than the, the meaning, the biblical meaning behind the story I'm telling. That's rock bottom. I can remember sitting in Heritage Park. This is how broke I was. And I had walked Heritage Park a few days before. And they had these hills in Heritage Park. And I saw these little Spanish kids. You could tell they didn't have $2 to rub together. And their parents had brought cardboard boxes and the kids were sliding down the hill and I watched them for hours entertaining themselves. So I rounded up $5 and I went to Little Caesar and I went to the Holly Springs liquor store and walked in and asked could I have some boxes. And I took my kids to the park and let them slide down a hill on a cardboard box and they ate pizza. And they had the time of their life but inside, that was rock bottom. So don't talk to me about rock bottom. I get it. I understand it. And I learned more at rock bottom than I ever learned on top of the mountain. So Samson's rock bottom right here. And, and where Samson is at right now teaches us something that if you will allow it and you embrace it and you internalize it, it's a principle that will change your life. And that is simply this. A failure is an event, never a person. A failure is an event. A failure is something that you do, not who you are. The enemy loves to define you by what you do or what you did. God calls you by name. The enemy comes along and says, you're an addict, you're an alcoholic, you're a failure, you're an adulterer, you're a con man, you're a liar, you're a cheat, you're a drunk, and God comes along and says, you're my child. But they had so much potential, Gary. Why are you so worried about their potential? Worry about your own. Samson had all the potential in the world. He's at rock bottom, <laughs> but his hair began to grow back. Over and over and over and over. And I want to keep saying over and over and over because that Samson didn't screw up one time. I think that, that wasn't even a point of my series, but for me it was the point that I kind of zeroed in on. Samson screwed up over and over and over and over and over. God looked at him and redeemed him. When it looks like you have failed too much or you've screwed up too much for God, we're going to watch how God will take you and immediately have a plan for your life. I got some good news for you today, and that is simply this. Just because you are down does not mean you are out. If you are still breathing, God is not done with you. 
Someone told me one time, they said, I'm 60-something years old. I don't have time to get it together. The average person lives to be over 80 now. They said, you're telling me you got 20-something more years? That's a long time. You just want to live going through the motions? No, that's... Mm. Try not to drop the F-bomb. I almost dropped the F-bomb. That's pathetic. That's a loser mentality. No wonder you lose at life because you've allowed the enemy to set up in your head and tell you, if you've only had 10 years left, a decade's a lot. I've been with Christine for a decade. I, and I'm, you're going to laugh and think I'm being a smart aleck. I don't mean it in that way. I, I feel like I've been with her forever. I barely remember life before her. I do remember that I had no grays in my beard B.C., before Christine, and I do now. Ten years is a long time. When you've hit rock bottom, what do you do? If you failed at something, hear me out today, you're not a failure because a failure is an event, not a person. Check out how this story unfolds. I have loved judges, man. Like Sometimes i got to study and come up with cute little points and then sometimes, man, it just boom, 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 boom. It just preaches itself. Now, the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Let's pause right there. Let's unpack this for a minute. The enemy, the Philistines, are excited they've caught Samson. Why? Because for about 35 years, Samson has had victory over them. Even in the midst of all his sin, all of his screw-ups, God had his hand of protection on Samson, and Samson had continually delivered the Israelites from the Philistines. And finally, though, Samson's sin called up to him. The strength of God had left him, and now they have Samson as the prisoner. And the Philistines said, let's, let's, let's pray. Let's celebrate this. So what they would have done is they would have brought Samson into the temple. But the temple wouldn't be like we think is a big, ornate temple, like a Catholic. It would have been more like a Colosseum. At a minimum, everything I read said it probably would have held about 5,000 people. So 5,000 people gather, and they're worshiping this god, Dagon, which was the god of the harvest, thanking this god for their harvest. The, the Dagon, the image of the God, because everything was just imagery back then, was a half man, uh, a man's head on a fish's body. It was kind of weird. It was a man fish God. I don't, I don't know. It was weird. And so they're thinking, hey, man, God fish, Aquaman, thank you for delivering Samson into our hands. And they're making sacrifices to the man God fish, Aquaman. And then in verse 24, it says this, and when the people saw Samson, they now brought Samson in. Why? Because they'd been offering sacrifices, and now they wanted to come mock Samson and offer him to the man-god fish. And when the people, Samson's at the lowest point. His eyes are gouged out. He's been pushing a wheel, being mocked. This prideful man has been spit upon and made fun of. When the people saw Samson, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands. The one who laid waste to our land and multiplied our slain. 
while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. Think about this now. The man who had the most potential ever, the strongest man that God ever created, the man who was born with a purpose and a plan to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines is now performing for the Philistines. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was dancing a jig. I don't know what he was doing. But I can tell you he was at his lowest point. I'll never forget a pastor here in town lost his marriage and lost his church one time. This is about two years after I had went through everything. And I'm pulling into Chick-fil-A one day, and the cow's out front dancing. And as I pull in, I wave at the cow, because that's what you do to the Chick-fil-A cow. And I noticed that the cow got weird and kind of turned his back towards me and kind of walked away. I didn't really think much about it, to be honest with you. I went in and got my food, and I go to leave. And off to the side, over there on the side of the building, the back, the cow was taking a break. He had his hat off, and it was that pastor. Man, it, it, it destroyed me. I pull up next to him. I knew he was embarrassed. I said, man, what's going on? Oh, man, you're the last person I wanted to see. I said, what's going on? I, I, mean, I was trying to provide for my family. I said, that's awesome. Ah, this is not what I thought my life would be out dancing in a cow outfit. But, and he named the owner of the Chick-fil-A, who's a good man. He said, he gave me an opportunity. He gave me a job. I said, man, that's awesome. He goes, yeah, I, I just need to make rent. And I, I, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm, I, I, I had been blessed that time. I had a roofing company. I was making a lot of money. And I remember I said, I said, well, what's your rent? He told me, and I was able, I had just got paid for a big job. And I was able to say, here, well, here's the next three months. I said, man, you go dance if you want to. Or you take the next three months and find a good job. To this day, every once in a while, it's probably about every two years, that guy moved away. He'll send me a message thanking me for that day. I can't imagine. Now, here's the deal. When I lost everything, if I had to dance in a cow outfit to provide for my family, I'd have danced in a cow outfit to provide for my family. Because by the grace of God, I didn't have to. One of the advantages of being tall and fat, the cow outfit didn't fit me. This is where Samson's at. He's at the lowest low. It doesn't get any lower than this. <laughs> he is totally and completely, 100%, totally and completely shamed in front of God's enemies. And we've all been there. The question becomes, how do you respond to that type of failure? There's two ways. The natural response is remorse. The natural response to failure is remorse. And this is what most of us do. We screw up. We are remorseful. I feel bad about what I did. I shouldn't have done that. I'm a bad person. We feel sorry for ourselves. We make it about us. It will turn inward sometimes to remorse. Well, I'm horrible. I'm no good. I'm the worst per- I'm the worst person who ever lived. I have no future. I hate myself. I hate my life. Other, other times it turns outward and kind of, I'm the victim and it's someone else's fault. Oh, this shouldn't have happened. If, if you hadn't done this, this wouldn't have happened. But it happened, and I, it happened, and I messed up, and we're remorseful. 
Samson was remorseful. For, he could have been remorseful. It's all Delilah's fault. Had Delilah not done X, Y, and Z, I wouldn't have been here. He could have been remorseful. Now, sadly, most of us, because I made a big deal about it, have only memorized one verse of this entire series. That was where I said she prodded and nagged him day after day. Or you remember the part about someone plowed with his heifer. But you're going to miss out on some things I'm going to show you today because here's the deal. Samson's at the lowest point and he was not remorseful. Our natural instinct is remorse, but remorse, do not miss what I'm about to tell you today. It's going to shock you. Remorse is not the right response to failure. It's not. It's not enough just to be sorry for what you did. It's not enough to acknowledge what you did. So the natural response is remorse. The better response is repentance. I know some of you are a little confused right now. You didn't grow up in church, and maybe you haven't, don't understand the difference. I'm going to break them down for you. There's a difference between remorse and repentance. Repentance. Remorse says, man, I'm a horrible person. I screwed up. I messed up. I understand it. Repentance says, man, I screwed up. I messed up. I didn't do what God entrusted me to do. And now I'm turning from that which I did wrong and I'm turning toward that which is right. It's repentance. So so, so here's the difference. Remorse is just words. I'm sorry. An apology means nothing without action. Repentance says, man, I screwed up, I effed up, I messed up, and now here's what I'm going to do to make it right. I'm going to do whatever I can not to go back down that path. It doesn't mean I won't go back down that path again, but I'm going to do whatever I can to get it right. Remember last week we said men don't ruin their lives all at one time. They do it step by step and step by step in the wrong direction. So how do you get back in the right direction? You turn around. You turn from going in the wrong direction, and you start going in the right direction. You turn from doing things in your own flesh, and you turn, and you walk in the flesh of God. Now listen, we're all going to do some things that we can't undo. I understand that. I didn't say you can go back in a time machine and change what you've done. There's just sometimes you can't do it. You can't go back and unsend the text message. You can't go back and undo the words that you said. So I get it doesn't always work and you can't always walk away from it. You can't undo the damage your alcoholism caused your family. The drug abuse did. You can't undo it. But you can turn from it but begin to walk in the Spirit and walk in the way God would have you to walk. Do not miss this. But when you repent, you have to do it for the right reason. 
You have to do it to make yourself right with God, not to win somebody back. If you're changing to win favor, you're changing for the wrong. The favor may come, the favor may not come. The trust may come, the trust may not come. If they never choose to trust you or forgive you again, that doesn't change the fact that you're supposed to turn. If you're truly repented of what you've done and you want the life that God has created you for, you turn from it and you begin to walk in the way that God wants you to walk. You're not responsible for how they respond. You're responsible for your walk with God. One day you're going to come to the realization that you can't undo the hurt you caused, but you can repent. Not, I'm sorry I got caught and shouldn't have. I'm talking about, man, I'm sorry for what I did. I can't undo what I did. I can't undo what I said. I can't undo what you did. But I can put myself in a position, hopefully not to ever be back in that position. I can't go back and take back the drinking, but I can make sure that when I'm in a position where I want to drink, I'm not in that place where it's easily accessible. See, the problem is so many of you put yourself in a position where you have to run from sin when you should have just been avoiding it altogether. Samson's come to this point. Samson is not remorseful. Samson has come to the point of repentance. Samson, as he is being mocked, suddenly, I believe, is remembering what he was created for. I was not created to be entertainment for my enemies. I was created to be significant and set apart. See, the devil loves to guilt you so much in your sin that you forget God's anointing on you. It's his greatest plan. Because the devil can't take your anointing, but he can make you forget about it. He can beat you down so much that you no longer remember your plan and your place on this earth. I don't say this. I'm just telling you, at my lowest point, the one thing I did right, and I didn't do a lot right, but the one thing I did right is I never forgot who the hell I was and what God called me to do. When all my mentors said I was done, I knew I wasn't done. When my family thought I was done, I gave my family the middle finger because I wasn't done. When my friends thought I was done, I found new friends. Because I knew that I knew that I knew what God had called me to do, and it would be a cold day in hell that at 33 years of age, I was done with my life. Let me rephrase it. If I lost it all today, it would be a cold day in hell that at 47, I'm done living my life. If I lose it all at 70, it would be a cold day in hell at 70 that I'm done living my life. If I make it to 83, I'll live the next 13 years picking myself back up and fulfilling the purposes that God has gave me and put in my life. The problem is so many of you listen to the enemy instead of the calling on your life. And you've wasted your lives. The one thing you have, you've wasted decades of your lives going through the motions. Trying to survive when God wanted you to thrive. But you can't do that being remorseful. I'm sorry for what I did. Shut up. 
shut up. I don't want to hear your remorse. Got people in my life that apologize for 20 years. Shut up. Don't be remorseful, be repentful. Repent, change your action. Put yourself in a situation where it doesn't happen again. Samson now is being mocked, and they want to be entertained, and Samson begins to remember what he was created for. You don't let your enemy take you back to remorse. Oh, I wish I could have. I wish I would have. I shouldn't have. I didn't. I hate myself. It's not my fault. But instead, look back and say, man, I changed some action. You cannot change your past, but you can change your future. Just because you're down, you're not out. What other crazy cliches can I throw out? That's why the windshield on the front is bigger than the rearview mirror where you're looking forward and not looking back. Blah, 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 blah. Past is the past. Some of y'all live there. Pathetic. No wonder you lose at life. The Bible says, when they stood him among the pillars, entertain us, dance, monkey, dance. Now, they're in this big coliseum. You've seen the coliseums. There's these huge pillars. And they stuck him between the pillars. He's in the temple. It's like a coliseum. It's this giant pillars. Samson said, Put me where I can fill the pillars that support the temple so I can lean against them. Telling the guards, put me up against the pillars, I'm weak. You want me to entertain you, but I can't stand on my own. Put me where I can have my hands on the pillars. Now remember, this is a man at his lowest. This is a man who screwed up and screwed up and screwed up and screwed up and screwed up, but this was a man who had a calling on his life, a man who had potential in his life, a man who much of his life lived his purpose and not just potential, and now he's at the rock bottom and he's back with the P word, potential. So what's it got to do with this? He's about, I'm about to show you. It's about to get good. So I can lean against him. I love this next verse. Samson prayed to the Lord. It's a good place to start. It don't get any lower than this. Samson could have, oh, woe is me. But the Bible says he prayed to the Lord. Oh, sovereign Lord, remember me. God, remember me. I I don't know why you would. Screwed it up so bad. I I don't know, but do do you remember me, God? Yeah, that calling on my, just remember me. Oh God, please! I like this. Oh God, please strengthen. Go the next. Oh God, please strengthen me. Just once more. Just once more. In other words, God, I have blown it a thousand times. God, I don't need a thousand more chances. God, I have blown it many, too many times to count. Multiple opportunities. All I got, God, I right now I need one more chance. One more time, God. God, just find it in your mercy. Find it in your strength. He, he, he's broken. You know what I like about this is it's no longer about Samson. It was always about Samson before. It's no longer about Samson. Now it's all about God. I, I believe right here he, he crossed over some spiritual line where he realized I must decrease and he must increase. When you get to the point that it's not about you and your ego and it becomes all about what God wants you to do, then God can begin to use you. God, for the first time, my eyes gouged out and I'm broken. My hands are on these pillars. It's not about me, it's about you. 
God, from this moment forward, even if I only have five more minutes, I'm going to live it dedicated to you. God, I no longer want to be the main character in this story. I want you to be the main character in my story. I had a friend, I remember he lost everything, and he told me one time, he said, man, I have screwed up in a huge way. They have let so many people in. He said, I'll spend the rest of my life with my actions proving that I learned. One more time, God. Don't let it be about me. Just one more time, strengthen me. Don't miss this. Even in our failures, God can use us to accomplish his purposes. One more time, God. He's a failure. He's a loser. He's this. God says, I'm going to use that person for greatness. See, we look on the outward, and God says, I have a plan for his life, and I have a purpose for his life. And God says, I'm going to take that mess, and I'm going to use it for ministry. See, what the church does is we take the mess, and we kick them down even more. You screwed up. Wow. Church is the, the best at shooting their own. They get more love and acceptance at the bar than they do the church. One more time, God. (laughs) Even our failures, God can use us. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood. I don't know much about construction. I know you find that amazing. I don't not know much about construction. I know nothing about construction. But I know they have these things in my house. They have things in this building. Uh, they're called um, load-bearing. Is that right, Lou? They're load-bearing. So I can knock down all the other poles, but I can't knock down those poles, right? Because if I do... Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars where the temple stood. Two central So these were holding up everything in the temple. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on one, his left on the other. Then Samson, he's still talking to God in his prayers here. Strengthen me one more time. Let me die with the Philistines. Not about him anymore. God, you put me on this earth to deliver our people from the Philistines. And if I have to die in order to do it, let me die, not as a failure, but fulfilling my purpose. Then he pushed with all his might. Down came the temple. Why? Because his hair had come back. His strength had returned. He had turned to God, and God had renewed him and restored him like he was before. God will always renew and restore you when you come to him. It doesn't matter how many times you come to him. When you come to him with sincerity, and you come to him in brokenness, and you come to him with a desire to change, God will renew you and restore you. And he does this to Samson. He pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the ruler's and all the people in it. And this day he killed many more when he died than when he lived. That sounds horrible. No, it sounds amazing. Samson in his death finally lived out his purpose. I don't know. He had a, a bedside confession. Samson had a bedside confession. And God used him. He pushed the pillars with all his might, everything coming crumbling down, destroying God's enemies. Even in our failures, God can use you. 
Even though you're messed up, God can use you. Even though you screwed up, God can use you. The religious like to say it, but they don't really believe it. They're arrogant, they're cocky, they're judgmental. They love to preach grace until they have to give grace. Quit living in remorse. Quit living in the land that I shouldn't have and move to the land I did, and I'm sorry. And I'm going to spend my life proving that. Quit telling yourself they're never going to trust you again and spend your life rebuilding that trust. Financially, I'm just a mess. I'm never going to make anything out of my finances. Not with that attitude. But you can start today. It's not about the possessions you have when it comes to your finances. But it's about your finances putting you in a position to do what you feel led to do. You can start today. One of the things I don't talk about is when I lost everything. I'm 47 now. I lost everything 33, 14 years ago. When I lost everything, I went bankrupt. I had nothing. 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 14 years later, step by step by step by step by step, it's been 14 years, I've been able to get my finances in order. But you know what it took? That first step. I didn't have time to sit around and feel sorry for myself. I had to get back and do what I needed to do. I remember it took a while. I remember me and Christine had been together about five years and we went to buy a house. We went to look at houses and figure out what we needed to do to buy a house because I had a bankruptcy. And the bank and everybody, the mortgage people were like, you're good to go. I was like, nah, I ain't good to go. I'm telling you, there's an error on your part. Nope, you're good to go. And they gave me a date that I filed bankruptcy. They said, you filed bankruptcy on this date. I knew I didn't file bankruptcy today only because that date was my birthday. And when I went back to the year they said I filed bankruptcy, that was a Saturday, and you can't file bankruptcy on a Saturday. I was like, you're wrong. You're wrong. Nope, you're good to go. You're pre-approved. Here's the thing, turn in all your paperwork. Go find a house. Okay, I guess they know more than I do. We went and found a house. We put an offer in on the house. They accepted the offer on the house. We told the place we were renting we were moving out of the house. We packed up our entire house. We were getting ready to move. The last couple of days, they sent it to the lawyers to investigate. And the day before we were to close on our house, while well, our house was all packed up and the movers were coming to move us, and we had told our landlord we were moving out of our house, they said, hey, funny thing. You were right about that date. Well, I know. You know how hard it is to go tell your kids and tell your wife, hey, especially as a man, in that dream house you wanted, I, I can't do that now. I told, you know, it was humbling. But guess what it was? It was... Five years worth of steps. I just had to get to the seven-year steps. I'd already done five. What was two more? We unpacked the house. Luckily, our landlord hadn't rented the house out. We stayed in the house. And then it came time to buy a house. Cherokee County is expensive. We bought the second oldest house in Canton, two blocks up. For $115,000. 
That's all we could afford. That was, I don't know how many years ago, five, six years ago. We lived in that house. The house didn't even have a kitchen in it. Didn't even have a bathtub in it. Didn't even have heat and air in it. Had a drop ceiling in it, even though it had 16-foot-tall ceilings. So Christine gets a wild hair for butt one day to rip all the drop ceilings out and doesn't realize that all the lights are in the drop ceilings, and then we had no lights in the house. Floors were ate up of termites. She made that house a home. We raised our kids in that home. We fought in that home. And we loved in that home, and we built memories in that home. And then suddenly the area started to change. Not quickly, but a little bit. And then suddenly the home that we bought for this price was three times more than that. We sold that home. And now we live in a dream home. 13 years in the making. So you're talking today about your finances. It's just step by step. You can beat yourself up, or you can get it right. You can feel bad about the financial position you're in and have remorse for it. You can repent and say, man, I repent. I'm going to do better at it. For years, I lied and I lied and I lied. For years and years, I was an addict. For years and years, I was looking at pornography. Uh, I was doing X, Y, Z, doing whatever. Or, or you can realize, man, today I'm going to stop. And today is going to be the first day in the rest of my life. And while everyone around you will tell you what you used to be, and I still run into people who remind me what I used to be, and I just laugh because they don't know me. I live the life now that I was created for. And guess what? In the last 14 years, I have screwed up and messed up and done stupid stuff and said stupid stuff and done dumb stuff and put myself in bad positions. And God still uses me. And don't that piss some people off? Samson screwed up over and over and over, and God just used him. Because until you take your last breath, God is not finished with you. So my question is today, what pillars are you pushing down? Your eyes are gouged out, you're beat up, man, you're broke, busted, and disgusted, and your hands are on those pillars, and what are you pushing down? Maybe you need to push down the pillar of your pride. To realize you don't know the answer to everything. Maybe you need to, to push down that pillar of pride and realize you don't got to keep up with the Joneses. You just got to do the best you can do. Maybe you need to push down the pillar of anger. I've been mad at the whole world. When the reality is you're just mad at yourself. You're taking it out on the whole world. Here's where the rubber meets the road. If you want different results... You got to do different things. Samson was tired of being potential and wanted to go out with purpose. I don't know what it is. Hey, dads, one day your kids are going to grow up and move out, and you're going to wish you slowed down while they were still home. I don't. I don't know what it is, but you do. You've got a calling on your life. Now, don't miss this. In your calling, you're going to screw up. You're going to mess up. The Bible says this. 
Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Who cares if you fell down? Get back up. What if I fall again? Get back up. What if I fall again? Get back up. Go out fulfilling the purpose that God has on your life. It's no longer about me. I'm going to live my life for Christ. I'm going to live my life for God. You say, but Samson ended up dying. Samson did what God told him to do. Better to die for Christ than live for myself. And oh, by the way, you're all going to die. Encouragement today. The question is, are you going to go out on God's terms? Samson forever will be a kid's story now. Every kid knows about him. But he gave his life for it. There's something in each of us that would give our lives for anything. We'd give our life for our purpose. You'd give your life for your family. The weakest man in this room, by our definition of weak, let attackers break into his house and see if he don't do everything he can to defend his family. In us. We're made for purpose and calling. You take away the purpose and calling from a man, you might as well kill a man. Samson knew, I can fulfill my purpose here and take down this temple or I can live the rest of my life with my eyes gouged out being entertainment to my enemies. I'm going to go out with my purpose. But he screwed up, Gary. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I know this pisses you off. And God still used him. I had someone tell me recently, a pastor in town. He said, you know what I think makes all the Christians in this town mad about you? I said, are they mad? Yeah. I said, what? Why do they even care? He said, I think it makes them mad because they can't argue that God's using them. Good. I hope God's using them too, don't get me wrong. But I'll take all the failures and all the mess-ups to be where I am today. And I'll take all the next failures and mess-ups to be where I am in 10 years. I never learned anything on the mountain top. Matter of fact, mountaintop gets me in trouble. I got to be in that. I, I got to do us against the world. I gotta, I, you got to be counting me out. That's when I thrive. Samson screwed up. Samson screwed up. Samson screwed up. Samson screwed up again. Samson screwed up again. He broke every vow that he had before God. He got his hair cut. He touched a dead thing. He laid with a woman, all the stuff. <laughs> and God used him. He's in the hall of faith in Hebrews. We're talking about him today. And God will use you in the same way. You've got to move past remorse. Get to repentance.